0: Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. How you doing out there, man? I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you and your loved ones are doing well. And um, if, sadly, that is not the case, you are in my thoughts and prayers, and I mean that sincerely. A lot of crazy stuff going on right now, man. A lot of crazy stuff in our country here in the United States of America and globally, if you're listening to this from another part of the world thank you uh if you're listening to this from another part of the space man holy shnikes there is life elsewhere it's a big enough galaxy you know kind of makes sense that there would be i think it's a little a little self-righteous of us to think that uh we're the only intelligent life out there but that's just my opinion um where where am i going with this it's independence day You will be listening to this on the, uh, well, I shouldn't say you will be listening to this on the 4th of July, Um, but that is when this episode is coming out on the 4th of July, so happy 4th to everybody, and again, man, I don't want to sound like a broken record and repeat myself every podcast as I uh, often do, as children often do, kudos if you know uh, what what I was just singing right there. Uh, throwback to the nineties shout out to all my eighties babies who grew up in the nineties. Where was I? Uh, 4th of July. Oh yeah. I don't want to sound like a broken record, man, but, uh, just take care of yourselves, you know, be, be safe, you know, be, be good to each other, be kind to each other. Um, you know, I know typically this is a, a weekend where there's, you know, fireworks and, uh, you know, big gatherings and whatnot. And, uh, I just, I just want people to be safe, man. And I know it doesn't matter what I want. Um, but uh, I, I think logically, you know, there's a global pandemic. It's an airborne infectious disease. Please be smart. Please social distance. Please wear your mask. So there's my there's my PSA for today. Um, shout out Grams. If she ever hears this, I hope she doesn't think I'm making fun of her. I love her very much, you guys. Um, it's just, hey, babes. She's got that. That's just her cadence, man. It's a, it's a nod to her cadence. So if you listen to this, don't think that I'm like hating on my grandma, man. Um, guys, I'm all over the place right now, and that's okay. I'm leaving it all in. So if you want to fast forward and just you know cut right to the chase then get to the interview, that's fine. Uh, but I do want to tell you that you can listen to this show on Spotify. You can listen to this show on apple podcasts or as i like to call it the artist formerly known as itunes um, i'm probably the only one who calls it that and to be honest with you i only say that to myself when i'm recording this i don't i don't say hey do you guys have the artist formerly known as itunes i don't talk to my friends like that that would be very strange as a 32 year old man to communicate in that manner they'd be like wait what um but yeah spotify apple Podcasts, focus mic Podbean uh iheart radio you can find the show on so march4th.podbean.com is the host site where you can always go and check out the show but if you have spotify if you have apple podcasts if you like iheart it's on iheart it's also on other streaming platforms and apps like podcast addict so if you like the show subscribe tell a friend spread the word I really, really appreciate everybody who's checking out the show. We had a a fun one last week with Doc Coyle, and we've got another great one this week with a guy that I have a lot of respect for. You know, I've known him several years now, almost a decade, really, to be exact, and he is none other than Steve Dwyer. So, Steve, in terms of where to start, and, and obviously I want you guys to actually listen to the conversation we had, so... Uh, Steve is a very musically talented individual um, in terms of the bands that that he's been in over the years. Many of you listening to this are probably familiar with Once Over, as well as Tropic Bombs. That lovely bumper music you hear in the show is uh, is actually um, another band that Steve was in, played drums in, and currently in Star Sleeper. So make sure you go check out Wish, Hope, Pray, their latest release, which came out last year. It is on streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Music, like this podcast. Um, But he's just a really talented dude, man. And really why I wanted to get him on the show is I think his path is one that from a distance I've really admired in terms of not giving up on the things that he really enjoys and the things that he's – as he'll tell you, obsessively pursued in terms of music over the course of his life. Anywho, I was at a show um, at Frankie's Inner City and was standing on the wall, and because uh, I'm too old to mash, you guys, I'm just too old for it. And uh, the guy standing next to me, I ended up finding out was was Steve's dad, and I just thought that was really cool. You know, I thought it was really cool that his parents uh are really supportive and so that that was a moment that stuck out in my mind just over the years that I've known him and then never really got to know kind of the 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 jump street for for everything that became once over and tropic bombs and star sleeper and um you know he he went to school for marketing uh he's also the senior director of brand for sweetwater where he's been for about 6 years now He started his own production company called Axiom Sound several years ago, went to recording school several years ago, so he's a guy that literally from playing instruments to recording music to now working for a a music giant in Sweetwater wears a lot of hats, man, and he's a really good guy, and he's funny, and it was just great to catch up with him. So without further ado, I'm going to shut my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Steve Dwyer. Here it is. (laughs) well first i just want to say thank you for taking some time and it's good to good to catch up with you how you doing all things considered for 2020 good
1: Good, yeah this year's been nuts uh currently right now i'm at uh, my family's lake house and i've been power washing the house but um no i'm glad to take some time and talk to you man uh it's i've known you for many years so it's always a
0: good chat with you, so it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and and getting this going again, uh, you were definitely somebody I wanted to get in touch with just because. Thank you. As I got involved with the local music scene with Toledo Free Press, you know, Once Over was obviously a huge part of that in the in the mid two thousands, and even now, still with Star Sleeper, I know you guys still go back there and do shows, and so I. Not that I'm going to turn this into. a, uh, a biography because I don't wanna wanna keep you super long. I'm trying trying not to keep you more than an hour, but I got
1: as much time as you want,
0: but
1: <laughs> I love talking to you.
0: But always uh always a pleasure and I think what's cool the, as I've known you over the years, I'm like there it's more than just Steve and his brother. Like there's there's music in this in this family. So just as a starting point, you know, for you man, what what was your earliest like Musical memory. I mean, was it was it something that was always around growing up? I mean, what, what was the first thing that you kind of remember being exposed to as a kid?
1: Uh, yeah, so my folks are fantastic musicians. Um, my father got his bachelor's degree, I think from um, Berkeley or he went to Berkeley for guitar um, and then he got a master's in music composition My mom, uh, when she was a teenager and, you know, a young adult would build dulcimers and she played acoustic guitar. So my folks met in high school and generally in Northview, Sylvania, Northview High School, uh, there was a really, really strong music program and a music community there. And so they were very much into music. And so, uh, you know, my first memory i think man it's something i think it's playing we're trying to play the drums when i was like three and i still we still have the drum set it's a ludwig silver sparkle it's, uh it's been crappy since the day we had it so i'm not gonna say that, <laughs> oh it's falling apart i mean it's always been pretty bad but uh that was the kid I grew up on, but yeah, I think it was playing drums, but yeah, I mean, there really is no one spot. I mean, to answer your question, my folks are very musical, obviously, but they had recording studios, all their friends used to come over. Uh, and so my brother and I were just immersed in it. Like music is, you know, some people have sports and some people have other things. And for us, it was just music. So, um, I, there's pictures and stuff and video of me and my brother playing. And, um, I used to sit in at, like wedding bands and stuff like that my dad used to go play wedding gigs for extra money on the weekends and sometimes he would bring me along and i would sit in a few songs on the drums like i think it was like a fourth grade or something and so i learned like brown eyed girl and gave me some loving and some other, whatever the wedding things were it was fun i mean it was cool i was like oh i'm cool man i'm cool <laughs> you know like i made it you know it was like fourth grade you know i think i was like 10 years old but yeah so music's just in my blood and in my entire family's blood really
0: and is it just is it just you and your brother siblings wise
1: yep my brother uh i'm the younger brother he's the older sibling so yep he's
0: we're about a year and a half apart so so as kids of like i mean we're 80s babies right but i mean as as child children children the children of the uh children <laughs> children
1: of dude
0: i leave i leave it all in i leave it all in man very, little l- very little editing over here. Uh, oh,
1: don't worry, dude. I'm going to say something stupid. It's going <laughs> to happen. And I'm going to come back to this. So.
0: Oh, <laughs> man. But but as kids of we'll the them. 90s, like, my exposure to – so, like, my neither one of my parents are, like, musical or play instruments. But in terms of, like, the house that I grew up in, my dad was very much into, like, the classic rock and, okay. uh, you know – Tom Petty, I remember a lot as a, as a little love kid. That. I I think love I had like a little uh, like Mickey Mouse guitar or something. Um, but most of my a years, Tom Petty
1: Mickey Mouse guitar.
0: No, not a Tom Petty Mickey Mouse guitar. Just a, just a straight up Mickey Mouse guitar. But Free Free fallen was was like the jam when that's, I was a little kid. That's my and, favorite
1: uh, song. Of, that's like probably my favorite song of all time. It, one, free Fallin'? Oh my God, Tom Petty is like my heart and soul. I love that dude.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah, oh, yeah it's a yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful song. It's timeless in the year. Three thousand human beings are still here. I, they will be listening to that song.
1: Three chords and a cloud of dust, man. That, that song <laughs> is, is sweet.
0: But like oh. my, my oldest brother, Brandon, um, he you know, he's he's six years older. I think he's 30. I'm 32. I think he's 38 now. So. You know, in the mid-90s, that was sort of the explosion of, of I guess, you, what you could say what later became known as new metal. I know with heavy music, oh, there's right. so many sub-genres and stuff. But so he was huge into Corn, Metallica. And the first CD I got, I had no idea what I was doing. I was nine years old. But CD Warehouse in Toledo, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm in Rome. My mom took me there. I think it was with some Easter money I got from my grandpa when I was nine years old. And it was like a sunday and she took me to cd warehouse and the big metallica song at the time was until it sleeps that was when everybody freaked out because they cut their hair and it was oh, off awful yeah. of load the load Lode era yeah. load, and load. so i just found a cd that said until it sleeps and it had like this weird image on it i bought it took it home put it in the family entertaining entertainment center in the living room that my dad hooked up those speakers still work by the way and um it was the, that was back when you know bands and artists were making money on CDs. So you'd have like the single, right? And then there'd be like maybe two live tracks or whatever. Right. So the studio right. version of "Until It Sleeps" plays, and then like the next track is immediately just James Hetfield just MFing it. You know what I mean? And so my mom heard this because oh, I'm not playing.
1: allowed to MF. Is this a, <laughs> What's that? Is this a PG, this a PG podcast?
0: Well, I mean, since I'm still in the, you know, the, the the day job is in the corporate world. So I try not to okay, swear good. on this just, right. just in case anybody from my office listens. I don't ever cuss. I don't <laughs> ever cuss. <either. laughs> but yeah, so that that was my first foray into heavy music and I kinda I kinda never looked back. She made me take it back the same afternoon. I still remember the look on the guy's face uh, uh, oh, when, we, when we went back. But um Wait, wait, hold
1: up though. Hold up. I remember CD Warehouse and my story is I also had that experience where, um, I went in and it was, man, what band was it? Oh, I saw this record and I would just like go in and they had those little listening stations. Right. And so you judge it. You'd have to judge a book by its cover in a sense. And so I remember there was this like lemon or something on this dog's nose and i'm like what is this this is wild and it said snot and i was like okay yes okay you know let's see what this is about and i think i was like in ninth grade and i had like somehow gotten up to cd warehouse anyways i put this thing in and it starts in like, dude, Lynn Strait and like Snot and like, so I fell in love. I brought it home. My dad's like, this is sweet. What is this? And so, you know, my whole family became Snot fans that way. So, yeah, I mean, there, there was something magical about discovering music. There was certainly like an investment. You definitely had to like go look for stuff. And when you found it, it was like, oh, man, it was like a gem, you know?
0: So was, was that it in terms of the the heavy music rabbit hole? Was was that was your first exposure or or, or the first kind of CD that grabbed you with Snot? No,
1: Um, so the story goes something like I was listening to like Dangerous by Michael Jackson, that album, like something, something Free Willy, you know, whenever Free Willy came out, if you remember that movie. I do. Yeah. So I would listen, you know, so probably like fifth grade. So I would listen to like, you know, just, you know, stuff I could get at like the library or like, you know when I was really young like Amy Grant and stuff which I still love Amy Grant actually but um my dad came home one day and my dad's like super into metal and like guitar playing and you know whatever and you wouldn't know it um but yeah so he like one day he like brings home this record and he's like I'm listening to Michael Jackson he's like here pop that out and I'm like okay and he like puts this record in and all of a sudden it's like and he's like listen to this and it was pantera and it was vulgar display of power and i still remember it from this moment and that was my first like what is this like whoa and so pantera like fifth grade i think and then i got into green day i loved green day i remember the first time i saw them but yeah pantera man that was it my dad came home it was like pantera sepultura biohazard some other heavier bands I liked Cannibal Corpse, but he was like, this is ridiculous. But <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, Pantera was it, dude. Once I heard Pantera, I was like, I got to learn how to play drums like that. Right. So then it was just like I studied Vinnie Paul, you know, and then it was just like, whoa, this is crazy. So.
0: So, yeah, Mouth for War. I recognize that riff. That's the first track on Bulger's. That's play right. Oh,
1: yeah. That entire record.
0: Yeah, that's that's one that that would also, I think, be in a time capsule for heavy metal. If, if somebody oh. were to ask that 2000 years timeless.
1: from now, it's timeless. That's a, Dude, you're you're two for two. I mean, Tom Petty, I would say absolutely like songs you want to send to another planet on the NASA Voyager, or whatever they're sending these days with their music and their podcasts and their Spotify's these days. But whatever it is, it would definitely be like Pantera. Um, Yeah, Tom Petty. There's obviously like a bunch more. But oh, man. Yeah. Huge Pantera fan.
0: So when did the, when did like the drum lesson start or did you just do it at home with, with your parents? I just,
1: dude, I was, I just started playing when I was like three. I just, you know, if there was an instrument, I was like, I'm going to learn how to play it. And the only yeah. one I really, did, the only one I really didn't learn well is piano. Cause I just, once I had guitar, I could really articulate the, my ideas easy enough. And like you could transport a guitar and you could play it in your room and I don't know but there's something beautiful about a piano that I just really wish I would have learned how to play like classically you know but I'm not really classically trained in anything but I just I mean dude the amount of time I've spent in a basement trying to learn how to record and write and play instruments is preposterous (laughs) it's a preposterous amount of time so yeah, I mean you you throw enough time at anything and you can learn something, you know. So I just I think it was like 3 I started playing drums. I think it was 9 when I started playing guitar. Not in like bass and guitar kind of like two sides of the same coin, but I was a drummer first. So I thought about the bass like a rhythm instrument, which was helpful, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So by the time you were in 5th grade, you already had that that drum set from when you're a little kid. So once you heard Vinnie Paul, it was like, "Okay, we got to we got to step it up a little bit."
1: Well, yeah. So no, how it goes is, um, uh, okay. So I'm fifth grade. Then I'm like, you know, starting to play more Then I get into green day and I got this kit. Well now I'm into like seventh grade and now I'm starting to like playing like little bands and like we're playing like dances or like, I played this club called wit's end. Like when I was like 13, it was the first venue I ever played at. And, um, by then, you know my drum set I'm like mom dad let's get real here you know what are we doing you know this this, this is crazy so you know I'm doing like paradiddles with my feet and like you know all this crazy stuff and I'm like 12 and I'm like let's go you know let's let's invest so um what I did is I did the wrong thing and there was a place called I think it still exists it's called um Dave's Drum Depot um And I bought my first kit there. Sorry, hopefully, you can hear me. Hey, guys, my neighbors are going driving around. Can you hear me, buddy?
0: Oh, yeah, you're good. You're good.
1: Yeah, you can go back there. Go ahead. Have fun.
0: (laughs) No, it's all good.
1: (laughs) You want to see? There they go. Hey, man, this is real, authentic shit, right? Oh, no, there. The first one. The first one. Um, cheese uh, rice yeah right so where what were we talking about I got interrupted by an all-terrain vehicle
0: oh you were talking about uh, Dave's drum depot oh
1: yeah yeah so I guess so I go to do the wrong thing my parents are like we need to get you a good kit and I'm like that's cool I want one that has as many drums as possible and they're like we should get you a reasonable kit that's a really nice one that you can have the rest of your life and I'm like no nah, I want one that's just big and ridiculous and so they were like fine whatever <laughs> inspires you so I buy this Tama and it was aluminum or like chrome looking like it was crazy. And it just reminded me of Vinnie Paul, obviously, and had two bass drums and all this crap. Well, I order it and like two months go by and it still doesn't come in on the shipment. And finally, we're like, dude, we're canceling this thing. So we go in to like just check in on the status of the drum set. And we're like, no, we're going to cancel it. And there's this beautiful like DW drum set, which like DW for me is like a great brand like they're definitely um it's a real like craftsmanship that is going into their products and stuff well anyway uh i ended up my just by default or just by this accident ended up getting the kit that i still have today which is a dw kit and you know it's it's beautiful i mean it's got all of its nicks and all that but i've used it for pretty much every single band like once over Um, but i got that when i was like 13 so the story was the the reason I got them to commit to getting me a new kit was that they were like, well, why don't you just, well, like, let's see how good you are. And like, you know, like they always believed in me and stuff. So they were like, you know, why don't you go and compete and like actually try to, you know, force yourself to grow and stuff. So they enrolled me without asking, by the way, they enrolled (laughs) me into, it's called the Ohio's greatest drum competition, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyways there's like an adult league and a kids league so i'm in the kids league which is like 13 to 16 year olds and i ended up getting fourth out of all the folks so it was like pretty cool but or no i tied for third actually but i mean i got 4th let let's be real uh but they <laughs> said i tied for third but they didn't magically didn't have a tied for third third place prize so i got like a thing a hot dog- buns and then I won like a symbol and so ironically that symbol is still the same ride symbol that I used in like once over and like uh, let's see star sleeper even to this day a little bit yeah and but once my parents saw like wow this kid can really play and he's like really able to do it they were like okay cool let's get like let's get you a real kit and stuff so that's when it really long long story and the all-terrain vehicles back so it's a good time to end on that one <laughs>
0: it's they look like
1: here, here they go
0: nice no it's all good man that's that's awesome i you know it's it's cool when you have stuff that meant a lot to you growing up whatever it is you know what i mean and and it still has like a function in your life as an adult because i don't i don't know if you have those moments but like now that i'm in my early 30s i'm just more conscious of like i found a shoebox from the last time i went home of like all these tickets from like games and stuff i went to over the years with my dad and stuff and you're like You're like, oh, my God, this is from 1997. I still have this schedule of, like, the first Red Wings game that I went to. So I think that's really cool that you still have that same symbol.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. uh, Being a songwriter and, like, being able to record those songs, it's both a blessing and a curse because it's like, you know, think about your yearbook, right? And, like, go back to when you were 13 years old or go back to when you were 15 years old, right? Even worse. Go back to when you're 15 years old and it's like oh no and you know every all that pressure's on you to be cool and that you know not screw up well you know i used to write songs and record songs i started recording my parents had a studio so i started recording when i was like 11 and um yeah i just i just remember being 15 and trying to write songs and you know, writing lyrics and trying to express myself and then like showing them to people and putting them online. Right. And like, you could still find some and it's just, I mean, but you know, like a bad yearbook picture, there's certain songs that you're just like, man, I just wish that didn't exist, you know? And, but, (laughs) but but on the same, on the same token, it's like, you know, you got to put it, it's hard to keep it in perspective because it's like, you got to give a 14 year old a little bit of grace when they're like, Recording the drums, the guitar, the bass and singing and trying to do it themselves without any help, you know, and it was just passion that drove that. Right. But, you know, it doesn't make you know, there's a lot of learning that happens. And uh, it's unfortunately out loud and then recorded um, in infinite perpetuity for available to hear anywhere, you know. And so I try to get that stuff deleted if I can. <laughs> but that's a true story.
0: So, so when did when did the transition to the to the once over era kind trans- of transition? Yeah, I like to shorten them up a little bit. I I stole it mm-hmm. a little bit from from David Spade and oh, Chris Farley because they were kind of my my childhood heroes. But it's just fun to shorten words. Yes, the transition it disarms it disarms like people who are short with you too. I feel like you know if you ever. Because we all know people like that. You know what I mean? You'll be in conversation and maybe, you know, if you're like me, you rant a little bit. But if you just throw in like an ish, people are kind of like, oh, that's cute. You know what I mean? All right. Well, do you call pizza "za"? za? Uh, You know, bye. Just a just pie. I mean, it depends on how much time is involved,
1: right? Exactly. Like, guys, are we going to get the za? Yeah. I'm just trying to yeah. save time here.
0: Okay. I think anyway. if I said za, they probably thought I got dropped on my head too many times as a kid or yeah, something. Like, right. like there's a P-I-Z yeah. in there, Mike.
1: Fair. that's yeah, fair. I mean pizza is not much more than zu, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Can't spell pizza without P. <laughs> there it is. Sorry. I knew I'd mess up. there Okay. So,
0: Anyways. No, no, you're good. So yeah. <laughs> so you guys are in high school, so that means so your brother's Paul, right? I don't mm-hmm. I, I, I know I've seen him at shows. I don't know if we've ever met personally, but uh you uh you've had him have met him, but yeah, yeah.
1: Paul, that's my bro, older or, or bro. Paulie,
0: he, Paulie, Paulie,
1: yeah, was he Paul ever, last uh, junior? Hey, yeah, he, he's got to get the bike down to the chromer and he's got to get it chromed out, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so you guys, as far as tracking, were always on kind of the same, were you always into sort of the same music? Because obviously, you eventually end up in one yeah. over together. So, was he also like, oh my god, Pantera,
1: yeah? So, like, the other part of my development as a musician is, you know, obviously my parents, but then there's my brother, right? So yeah, um, he liked basically all the same kind of music. Like we he would find things and I would find things and, uh, but he's a phenomenal musician himself. He's a wonderful guitar player um, uh, like I think a first state rated bassist or something um, and he can actually like read music and he's just got a really uh, incredible like rhythmic sense. But um, anyway, he yeah, he like, liked all the same stuff that I did. And so we would just jam. Like, so I mean, you know, some kids go and throw the football or like play baseball or whatever. And we would just jam. We would go downstairs. Sometimes my dad would come down, but it would be like hours. Like, we would just be spending hours just trying to, you know, write and just, well, like a lot of it actually was Pantera songs. We would just sit down there. We actually had like a big Pantera flag thing. Uh, that we had hung up. My dad's like, What the hell is that thing? <laughs> it's a terra flag. My mom's like, Keep it in the basement, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's yeah, awesome, Paul, man.
1: Paul's, Paul's, a, Paul's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal musician.
0: The guitar tone that you guys have on the Nine album. And just mm-hmm. the the riffs on that record in general are are some of my favorite of of all of your guys's catalog i just think that's such an awesome record man
1: i hear that i hear that a lot i hear that a lot on that one i like i agree that's probably my favorite once over record
0: my most nostalgic
1: once over record is
0: pro- uh,
1: yeah it's probably these precious days but nine was a lot of work um But yeah, that was fun. That's that one just goes and just doesn't let up really, you know, like not a lot of bullshit on that one.
0: And is it is it ironically is it nine years old or about to be? Was that 2010, 11 in there? Ooh, Was it 2010? It it, it
1: marked it marked it marked. Yeah, it was 2010. It, it, It was intended to mark the ninth year of once over which is, like, big because, like, the eighth year of Once Over was, like, Red Right Returning, uh, technically, era, which was, like, unfortunately, like, the passing of Sean and, like, you know, obviously 2008 was, like, the first time that I think I'd switched up roles, yeah. So it was definitely, like, like having nine was, like, oh, wow, that's weird that there's, like, a, uh, like, a I forget what they're called, like, an epilogue um i should say yeah so like nine was almost so like there's little hints in there but like nine was meant to be like both kind of like a story concept record but also like embodies something of every year that the band had been around at that time so but uh you know also i just wanted it to go and just go and like there was just a lot of energy to do something and you know I don't know. Yeah, I really, really like that one. I'm glad you do, too.
0: Yeah, man, that was a that was an awesome, awesome record. So what so 2001, how old are you in 2001 when once over once over forms?
1: So I was 17 when once over formed. Um, Okay. so we once over had formed in January or February of 2001. And then started playing in june of 2001 and by june of 2001 i had just graduated high school so my birthday is on june 14th so like i just like i just turned 18 and then like two days later we played our first show once we played our first show so that's awesome
0: um, happy happy belated birthday man
1: yeah thank you man thank you yes now i'm like 37 so got that going for me <laughs>
0: So was there any, was there any, um, I was listening back to early once over Two, and I don't know if it's just, um, Dave's, um, like his cadence or, uh, just some of his melodies, but I feel like I hear some flaw influence in there a little bit. I don't know if anybody listened to flaw or was into flaw, but, uh, I
1: I personally didn't. I mean, I could ask him, um, I think I've heard that comparison before though but i never listened to flaw like another yeah i hate comparing music
0: i was just curious in in terms of influence
1: i mean if if there if there is a connection or an influence then i don't know about it but um maybe maybe i just never really listened to floss i couldn't tell you sorry
0: no you're good man sorry i feel like the sun is like bolting in your eyes right now i'm moving
1: moving. that's why i'm moving
0: (laughs) Um hold up. No, you're good, man. You're good. There we go. How about now? I was it's all good, man. I just want to make sure I don't blind you after this. Be like, why well, no, can't Daddy dead. see anymore? Um he was yeah. doing a podcast and yeah. uh We're he was to forced to, to learn, stay honey. <laughs> he was forced to look directly into the sun yeah, they, did a, it. they did a
1: they did a laser pointer challenge. <laughs> 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 uh. Okay. So that,
0: that era was, was an interesting era, not only for, I feel like music in terms of heavy music, uh, Where early, early 2000s when you guys formed in 2001. Oh, okay. Right. Cause you're oh, probably yeah. talking the height of, of, you know, what, what came to be known as new metal with, you know, Corn and Limp Bizkit and Deftones, um, so, so for you guys, what was what was that synergy like as you guys formed that band and you know got Dave and Nick and you know I mean what what was what was that like as it as it came together? I mean, is it just kind of the old thing? Like, were you guys all going to the same high schools and just sort yeah. of in the same kind of thing? Yeah. So
1: I met I met um, obviously Paul and I went to Northview. Uh, he was a sophomore, I was a freshman, and then he. I think it was my then sophomore year. So then he and Nick are juniors. They didn't really know each other. I met Nick first through history class. He was a year ahead of me and he and Paul became friends. I became friends with them. And then it was the year 2000. Um, and, <laughs> and I think it was like on April. Yeah, it was on April 20th, 2000. And someone like on April 3rd or something was like, we're going to have a show at Frankie's like a bunch of like, like these bands from North Korea are going to play the show at Frankie's. And like, are you going to play? You? I'm like, I don't have a band. And they're like, what? I thought you were like, had songs and stuff. And I'm like, well, those are just me. Like on the like recording stuff, but they were like, well, you we should play. And it was like, okay, well, let's see. Uh, we don't have a drummer. So we were like, Paul's like, I can just try to learn how to play drums. I'm dead serious. So, Paul tries to learn how to play drums in two and a half weeks. Nick, we had known Nick. He was like a bass player, and, but he'd like play the guitar, like tried to learn my songs in three weeks. And like, it was like, you know, playing guitar, and like trying to learn how to play guitar at the same time. Dave really had limited experience on the bass. I'm pretty sure he never really had played it much. And so we put him on bass. And then since I was singing the songs, I was like, okay, well, we'll sing. I'll sing the songs. And so it was a really ass backwards initial version of What's over. <laughs> so like we had three weeks to prepare and I had like seven songs and we were, we had to play like eight songs. And so we had to figure something out. And what it was, was uh, the last song we would do an encore and I would switch up and I would play drums and Paul would play guitar. Yep. Nick would play bass and Dave would sing. And we would do a cover of blind by Korn and, it was hilarious because like we actually played as that initial setup where Paul's on drums and I'm singing and Dave's on bass and mix on guitar. We actually played a few shows like that. But um, what would always happen is we would switch up and like actually get on our instruments that are like our native to us. And we would play blind and like the entire place's eyes would get big, you know? And we were like, Hey, I think we're onto something. So that was like my junior year. Well, then my senior year, Paul and Nick go off to college and stuff. So it's just like, okay, well, that band disbanded. And it was just for that one summer. Well, then by January, Paul's like, hey, I want to start a thing. Like, we should try to do it, you know. And he was in Columbus. And he said he would be willing to drive up every week if we could practice. So yeah, um, I think by January or something like that, it was like, hey, let's try to meet up. So we went to Nick's parents' basement or something. And, yeah, it was January of 2001 or something like that. And so, yeah, that was like then once over, kind of started from there.
0: So, what what are some of the, the like those those shows when you guys first started playing and like that energy? I mean, for for people listening to this who don't know. Um, and i don 't think it 's like too inside baseball because I think anybody listening to this wherever they 're at there's there 's always going to be some type of a local music scene and i it was obviously yeah. pretty vibrant at that time. I mean you had what hearsay t a o and all those guys or hearsay Taylor ah, not- fun
1: fact fun fact about so remember when I said like my first bands in seventh grade and stuff yeah my actual, my actual first band was with Jeremy who was the singer of hearsay and eventually went on to make a band called the fury or we are the fury i should say um, Yeah. he and i used to be in a band in seventh grade that was actually my first band was with him so uh, it's kind of a fun little inside baseball scene fact scene facts you-
0: <laughs> and then you had like uh in, in kind of early mid 2000s um I remember my buddy, Mike Walker, actually put it as the background on our <laughs> on our family computer screen. And my mom was, uh, you know, I was raised Catholic. So we, I, it wasn't like I couldn't listen to metal and stuff like that. But uh, the imagery, as you are aware, Steve and metal can often be very, uh, especially, you know, being into some. It's obtuse.
1: Yeah, it, it's
0: it, exactly. And uh, Lollipop Lust Kill. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, they well, had that album cover with like it was like a kid in like a little tuxedo with like yeah. a knife <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and he put that as the background is our family computer screen but um but but what was it like at that time, you know, developing you mentioned you had all these years growing up in a musical household and you and your brother being into the same stuff. So when it came time for these precious days to actually come out and be part of the shows and the music scene at that time? Like, were you guys aware of how vibrant it was or is it hard when you're in it? You're just too, just excited to be playing shows.
1: So I think 2002 for me personally, like I can't speak, like I really can't speak for the other dudes, but for me personally, 2002 was like a year that I had spent a lot of time just in secret, like just refining the ideas and like, thinking about the band and like trying to figure out what we could do. And like, you know, trying to get the management part of it. Cause it is like a lot more work than people I think realize. And, and then yeah. on top of it, like, like get with the Booker agents. And like, so eventually 2002 was like me working with John Anderson and like the group and Verso group and like all the folks down in, uh, at like main street, like uh, main event and Frankie's and the headlighters. To like, try to get us a chance. Like, like, I think they knew that we like, weren't good enough and we knew we weren't good enough at the time, but like, we knew we had potential and what we needed was like just a little bit of a chance and like, we would try to shape it up and like, get better if we could like get an opening slot. So I think what happened is they started giving us actually, funny enough, lollipop opening slots, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we would start to open for them and we became friends with them and every time we would open for them like like i remember the first time we opened for them like i was scared shitless because like these dudes are titans right yeah <laughs> i think it was like i think it was like their first show since they like released the record i, I forget but it was in the big room of headliners and i mean the place is like jammed packed and i just remember the energy just like this is crazy and i was like they're all going to laugh at you, you know, kind of thing. I was just like sitting there like this is going to be a disaster, right? And cuz that's, you know, you're not you're not playing for the home crowd. And there's nothing like, you know, the only thing I could think would be scarier is like being a stand-up comedian, but um either way, man, like they dug it and like we put our freaking soul into it and we really meant it and I think from there that was just like, okay, cool. We can hang with these guys. Like not like at all, like in terms of quality, but we were just like, we had an energy and a potential. And then over like probably 2002 to 2004, we'd really spent the bulk of our time together as a group. We were both like, we were also like at the eight, like the, whatever you want to say, the inverse relationship between being experienced enough, but not being like, and like having free time, like, people were still in school, and so we could actually spend time, like, playing shows a lot and and doing all that and stuff. Um, Then that just kind of, like, snowballed, right? Like, we would get one opportunity, and then, you know, we would, if we could, you know, do a decent job, we would get asked to do another one, and, you know, what would happen is we'd slowly pick up people every time, and then, I think, by 2004, you're so, yeah, you're so caught up in it, just trying to be like, well, that's a fluke, right? Like, I would always like we would kind of be playing shows and like there'd be a line around the building and like, you know, we were the headliner and we'd be like scratching our heads like, wow, that's a fluke or something. Or maybe that's for the other band or something. And like, you know, obviously, you know, it wasn't just there for us, but I remember at some point it would get to the point where it was like, okay, this keeps happening and it's good. And that's crazy because like, we're still like, we were also just humble about it. Cause you know, we had every right to be cause, um, you know, we, you know, we worked really hard, but we could have been better, you know? And I think that we were just really gracious that people were like super into it. And so I think when it started to change for us, when was when people like started getting tattoos or like, let's see, um, I remember when we released these presses like what was it? Yeah. These purchase days. And we had to do like a signing. <clears throat> like if you could buy the record or if, if you bought the record a week earlier or something, we would sign them. And so the records didn't even show up till like a week right before. And so we had to take one day and spend one day signing all of these records. And I remember it actually <clears throat> taking a long time and being like, this is crazy. And like, we don't even know these people's names and like, you know that's like wild to us and like then people would start buying the merch and then all of a sudden it would be like people are chanting the freaking name and then like my mom would like tell me like oh you know my mom has an eyebrow ring or something or did at the time and people would be like oh you like rock music or something oh yeah and like they'd say oh have you ever heard of a band around here called once over and she's like yeah those are my kids and then like They'd be like, well, right this way and like sit down. And I'm like, I didn't, even, I didn't even like get that. I was like, what the hell is that? I didn't even get that kind of treatment. I do remember one time going into a Sam's Club It's some dude, it was like right before Christmas. And me and my brother and my mom are walking into Sam's Club. And this dude's like, comes up and he's like, oh, oh, I love it. Oh my God, I love you guys. My mom's just like, you know what? And so Paul and I are like, oh, you know, thank you or whatever. Well, I had dreadlocks at the time, so I was easily recognizable. But the joke was in the band is Paul was like the only one that you couldn't like he, you really probably couldn't pick him out because he just kind of looked normal. And <laughs> so we would go, we'd be at the mall or something and people were like, oh, my God, you know, I love you guys and like not say anything to Paul. And so one time we were at Mongolian barbecue up in Ann Arbor, and this is a true story. Uh, and we're waiting in line. Like, you know how you have to like hold your bowl of meat and stuff, and like <laughs> get, it, get it cooked. So we're waiting in line. And this dude comes up to us like shaking and he's like, All right. Well, he comes up to me and he's like, dude, you're once over. Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh man, I love you. And he starts going on. Right. And like, he's only looking at me and he's like holding this bowl of food and Paul's standing right next to me. And. <laughs> He doesn't address Paul once. And he's like, yeah. And he goes on for like five minutes. He's like, oh, I just know everything about you guys. I love you guys. And then he just looks at Paul and he's like. And then like walks away. And he clearly didn't know who (laughs) Paul was. And me and Paul busted up laughing. So then like two years later, we're at a hot topic. And some dude comes up to Paul and he's like, you're in, you're in what's over. Oh man, I love you guys. Right. And then he looks at me and I was like, hey dude. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Just assuming he knew who I was. And he just like, was like. Who the hell are you? And then Paul looked at me and was just like, Yes, I finally got one, dude. I finally got one. So <laughs> I think it was like once once we started to get that kind of recognition and there was like people cheering the name and putting the stickers on the car, and there was a real passion around that project that was just like, Yeah, dude, it was fun. Like like whether the scene was hopping at the time or not, like, you know, like obviously that has the market conditions or whatever you want to call it has something to do with it, but um, there was a real sentimental attachment to that project from people back then yeah
0: yeah I I remember seeing uh, some stuff online and and, you know pictures and clips from 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 shows and just like uh, it wasn't the love of your live video was just uh, insane you know what I mean like uh, but but I mean pictures of headliners and Frankie's packed and then obviously you know me me kind of getting involved a, a little bit later with Toledo Free Press I mean still those shows with with you guys with with Tropic Bombs. I I remember one show standing in the back um, and your dad was like standing on the wall next to me. And I yep. just thought, man, that's so cool. And that th- and, and honestly, that was kind of one of the first moments where I was like, I was like, this is this is really awesome that they have this kind of support. Because I always I always tell the story of, you know, like growing up, I was I was kind of into sports and stuff. I always loved music, but I spent way too much more time air guitaring than actually learning how to play the guitar (laughs) but um but but my brother greg was um he just wasn't into it after a while and and one thing that i always respected about my dad was that he saw my brother was like drawn to airplanes and um it got to a point when he was in like fourth fifth grade where he just didn't want to do it anymore my dad's like that's fine he's like you can quit but you're not just going to stop showing up like tell the coach you don't want to do it anymore so he did and long story short like you know, for me going to like a storm game would be cool or going to a Toledo Rockets game and my dad would take us to Toledo Metro Airport and before nine eleven, we'd drive up to Detroit Metro right. and my brother would have his binoculars and be like, That's a you know, D C ten and an L ten eleven and he got his uh his private pilot's license by the time he graduated high school in 04 and is a and is a that's pilot incredible. now, a commercial pilot, you know. So oh, man, that's yeah, I so love I always point. thought that was I really cool, that cool to, you know, to 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 know that your family was like super supportive. And I guess just with the kind of the theme of this podcast being perseverance, um, I think there's so many people, myself included, and we all go through things in life where, you, you know, you pick stuff up, pick stuff up and you put it down. But for you guys, music has has always been there and it's never been something that hasn't been there and you never quit on it, you know, which seems like so simple, like don't quit on the things that you love, but. I feel like there's a lot of people who maybe they get caught up in the practicality of life sometimes and they, and they drop off.
1: I mean, it's not, I mean, being a, you know, if I'm going to be like arrogant or whatever and call myself or whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever. If I call myself an artist, uh, you know, the hard part about being an artist is, is is making art for the right reasons. And I think, one of the things that was tough for me was like once over did have an ebb, like did go up and then down, and like the ride up, I remember there are moments that I like took snapshots like there's a there's a moment where I know where I could see it every time I close my eyes where my brother turns around and looks at me and goes goes like f yeah or he goes hell yeah or something and like is looking at me and like the crowd's all big in the background and then there's another moment where I remember stopping a song or reminding like saying steve like when you hit the tom and the song ends like record the sound of your mind because it used to just sound like a freaking jet you know because like the crowd would just like bam as soon as the song was over yeah which is another interesting tell when people really dig the music is if they start cheering as soon as the song's over like right as it's over that means they know it you know yeah Um, and so if there's a gap then you got work to do so but um Yeah, I don't know. There's just like little moments through time. But yeah, music's just been a constant for me. And I think uh, it is a painful journey. But I think what I've had to do to not let it like like because it digs at me because you do you want like. It's not like you want recognition or you want attention, right? It's just more like. Like there's no qualms about it, like, you know for all the time I've spent doing music, I'm still not good enough at it, you know, and it's, but it's really hard. And I'm trying to do all of like these instruments at the same time and all these things. And I think what I had to do was like, quit trying to write the perfect song to win back some audience or something. And it's just like, move on with your life and don't make that the goal. Like people are extremely important to me. And like, there's fans that still listen to this day. And I'm extremely like grateful for that. But, Um, that said, like, it wouldn't be doing them any service, uh, and it wouldn't be doing myself, uh, any service to write songs for anybody else than whatever that inspiration that drops into my head at that time to write is, and then just try to be better than myself yesterday, I think is another thing. And like, just not beat myself up over, um, what I can and can't control. And so really all that is to be said, just to get like you know, I'm 37 years old. I started doing this when I was three. Uh, yeah, uh, I have a level of uh, talent and, like, acumen in certain instruments and areas. But, like, there's a lot I don't know. But ultimately, like, the thing that keeps me going is that, like, writing songs is like fishing. And it's like, you never know when you've caught your biggest fish. And so, you know, you know Neil Armstrong went to the moon and then came back and had to live the rest of his life without no, you know, knowing that he's never going to go back. And it's like how you adjust to, you know, what you see as your greatest moment. And really in reality, it's like that dude was an astronaut from the beginning. And so he did more astronaut things afterwards. And so, um, whatever comes, uh, you know, I'll, you know, I accept all of that graciously. And, you know, when I get a comment or a compliment, or even like criticism or feedback. It's like, dude, the fact that someone's even like taking their time to listen to something I wrote, uh, whether it's one person or a hundred people, it's like, um, that's beautiful to me. And, and, you know, ultimately if it actually means something to them that it's like that blows my mind, you know, that just like, that's, that's huge because that means I can actually help even in a small way, impact the world and, and make it better. And that's just a byproduct of doing something that, I'm just so obsessed with man. I'm just so obsessed with making music. i just I just am so you know.
0: Yeah, man. That's that's awesome. And and before I, I let you go, man, if it's cool, there's a there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on with you. And and thanks again so much for, for taking some time. Hopefully, uh hopefully I don't get you sunburned <laughs> in this. Spot no, Right? No, now
1: No, it's actually
0: uh, okay. Cool. Um but, you know, on, on that thread of, like you said, just inspiration and perseverance, I mean, there was a switch for, for people who aren't familiar, you know, where where you then did become the singer of Once Over. And, and you touched on it a little, bit o- a little bit earlier, that record, Red Right Returning, was also extremely personal. Um, and not that I want to dig up, like, you know, things that are difficult to talk about, but I do think um, – I do think you know one thing people can relate to. We've all experienced loss at some point, and we've all experienced whether it's uh, you know a relationship, a friend, a death. But um, what what was that like? You know, when you look back on that now, because there's songs that I listen to on that record that that make me think of like my grandpa and the relationship that yeah. I had with him. I mean, just enduring that. Uh, and for people listening to this too, you also went to recording school, so you pursued that passion like professionally. Um, and you still have Axiom sound, right? Um, yeah, yeah, so well, I know yeah, we're kind of yeah, yeah, I know, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but uh, what, what was that experience yeah. like where it's like, okay, now I'm the singer after after being on the drums for a long time and obviously being a huge part of the recording, but also just the undertaking of that record at that time?
1: That's a great question, that's funny. Uh, I was talking to my wife about this like two days ago, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, Red Rent returning, so you gotta imagine that right at the end of 2006, Dave had left the band. So we were starting 2007 completely like vocal lists. Right. And so we looked for singers a little bit, but like I had written and helped write, you know, a decent chunk of the vocal material with Dave that like, it just made sense, you know, and like, no, I wasn't the best singer at the time and I'm still not, but, It was just like what are you gonna do you know and so 2007 was me trying to both play like what we would do is play guitar like we would play as a band without vocals and try to come up with like music and then i'd be singing in my head while i was playing drums right and like just trying to come up with melodies and like we would try to work out some stuff that way other other things it would just be me trying to powerhouse through a song well You know, we think of Red Rite Returning now, which was released in 2008 as Red Rite Returning. But like at that time, I didn't know what it was called. And, you know, at that time, you know, the real scary part was Dave was gone and we were going to still try to go on as once over. So there was like, you know, big shoes to fill. So then 2008, so, well, we started recording it at the end of 2007. So by the beginning of 2008, you know my best friend and sean and manager um he was actually recording the drums for me like at the time so he was helping like on the in the control room like hitting the buttons for me and like you know if i screwed something up he would try to punch me in and you know things of that nature well then he stopped showing up to the sessions and you know he ended up passing away and that was really somewhere that was in the beginning of february of 2008 right so I went from him helping me to, like, record the drums to me, like, being, like, in the studio completely by myself, like, hitting the recording button, like, running over and, like, having to play the freaking drums and, like, trying to do the entire song in one take because I can't really punch in. And so it was, like, and then it was, like, obviously, like, this mental anguish, right, where your best friend just, you know, passed away. You're sitting there and you're, like, and I'm still going to make this damn record and... You know, but it was like, that was the reason I was writing that record in hindsight. But you don't know that until now, right? Yeah. And, but for me, I'm the only one who has to suffer the damn journey, you know? And it's like, for everybody else, they just hear, you know, a record. And then they then there's concepts around the songs. That's interesting you said about your grandfather, because there's a song called Against the Wind that I wrote, like, specifically about my grandfather. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be an artist. You got to throw yourself vulnerably into the situations and just be honest with yourself and you can't skirt the issues. And then it's all about having to explore and like really go deep into those things. And it's, you know, it is mentally taxing. But um, like I said, like the yearbook, it's also like my life has a scrapbook of, and it's captured in audio, right? Like I just, yeah. it's almost like my journal. And even though it sounds like shit sometimes. <laughs> no don't beat
0: yourself saying. up man it does yeah. not it does not i'll tell you that if i have to tell you that i'll tell you that it does not sound like ish <laughs> no. yeah. oh yes that's right i'm sorry <laughs> no don't don't apologize dude
1: it's all good it's all good
0: three strikes i out no it's I mean, all good man well yeah no i i appreciate you elaborating on that man you know because yeah. i'm not trying to be like you know barbara no, walters no, and, no, no, and no. take you down a pass but that's i one, one thing ago. i do I think uh, something that's really awesome about music and you touched on, and I think we've, we've talked about it, you know, before, um, which is crazy because I think one of the first like podcasts we did was probably eight years ago. It's so nuts. Um, But I think it's cool that when you create music, like you said, it's, it's always going to exist in some form. So to take a tragedy like that and be able to capture, have like a time capsule and a tribute and also have that song with your grandpa on there, which that's the one, that, that reminds me of, of my grandpa's Against the Wind, so yeah. um, I think it's cool my, to have my that moment is, in time my,
1: grand, my grandfather's favorite song was Against the Wind
0: by Bob Seeger,
1: or one of his favorite songs, and so he wanted to name his boat Against the Wind and so it was just kind of cool and it fit and, you know, I don't know, so Yeah, so with, it's, 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 within it's all man. that,
0: man um, you know, doing, doing the recording as well and, mm-hmm. and then doing Axiom Sound I mean What's that been like as a balance as as a family man, going to school, having once over, you know, starting like a a media production company basically and, and you know what what were some of the other sort of I guess like um high water marks when you look back on on those years?
1: Well, okay. So then so Red Red returning wraps up and then Bruce joins because we needed someone to play drums for a music video and I was like Bruce looks cool let's get Bruce and I knew him from Reflective <laughs> one and then uh, Bruce has been around since then but um man I don't know I think you know 9 was a lot of fun River returning was you know you got to imagine was like I was juggling, like, a lot of stuff, so there was a lot of stuff to it. So, I, you know, that record's kind of tough for me. You know, it could have been way better, but Nine was one that I really liked. Um, I really liked The Ocean on, what's it called, White Raven. I thought that was yeah. a cool song. I still love that song. I mean, again, that could be better, but...
0: Is that the um, one where your grandma's at the end of it as it trails yeah. out?
1: Yeah. Yep. She reads my favorite poem. I actually have it tattooed on my arm, but... Um,
0: That's awesome. Yeah yeah
1: so uh but yeah i love that one um and then and then it you know but 2009 is when i started having kids and so then it was like you know juggling work kids and then i teamed up with tropic bombs by 2010 ish so then i was now two bands well like also by the way i should mention that Since 2002 or something, I had been playing with my mom's band, which was called Glinda's Bubble at the time. And so, like, from then, so at one point I was in, like, three bands, technically, and a lot of, a lot of stuff. But, um, I don't know. It was just, it was, I don't know, The playing the Music Fest was always fun. Um, The White Raven. Oh, I can tell you one that sticks out that sucked, that was not fun, was we played a show in 2009 with like the, a new light set up and, a, and uh, the computer was placed too close. Like it didn't have a solid state drive in it. So it was placed too close to the speaker and uh, it would like vibrate. So while we were playing and we're synced up to the clip, right. It would like skip a little bit like a CD player would. And all of a sudden Bruce, is like, like the eyes are getting big, you know, and I'm turning around going, you know, you know we're trying to look like we're having fun but we're like oh no you know like this is not well this is not going well and then you know turn around and be like how are you guys doing and like in the ear it's just like completely off um and that one was fun because like every song we turn into like uh this crazy trying to land the plane exercise so uh but man uh you know going to the newport and columbus and playing with my buddy's band down there and I don't know, man. There's so many good memories, of the hilarious stories I could go on for days, but obviously I already have. So, <laughs> I don't mean to ramble. Well,
0: and 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 balancing that, I mean, you, so you for people listening to this too, you, ended up you went to school for marketing and recording, yeah. and um, you've been with Sweetwater now for for almost six years. You're now the the senior director of of brand. How cool has it been to be able to take that passion and kind of, you know, bring it into your profession? Because, I again, kind of going back to what I said earlier, I think I think sometimes people people quit before the opportunities happen, you know, or they they think, oh, this is just a hobby or this is just, you know, what, and it could be anything. Right. It could be, you know, drawing. It could be like there's a guy I went to high school with uh, Pat who is um, always a, a great artist and he has a tattoo shop now um in Toledo and and so it's like I feel like it's those creative things sometimes I get lost in the shuffle because everything is so much you know math science and all that stuff and not that that's not important but you you've taken those creative passions and turned it into a career you know people people it's
1: it's it's there is no system designed or there is not a, a a a well enough equipped system designed to instill the idea of entrepreneurism and like individuality, um, into people. Because I think that everybody, everybody's little like dreams that they just kind of laugh away are like actually who they are. Yeah. (laughs) unfortunately, Unfortunately, uh, you know, well that doesn't pay the bills and you say, and that's not, my fault i guess and then it's like on them to figure out how to reverse engineer their love of a craft which is like if they were able to do that their entire life full time they'd be the best version of themselves which is good for everyone um i just there's just no real reward so it's like the only the brazen uh are that are willing to throw themselves vulnerably up against the wall Thousands of times and it's just how many times you can get back up. But I mean, it's the same principles inventing the light bulb or whatever. Right. But like, it yeah. just hurts a lot more when you're doing art because, you know, it's like you do a big old trick and like, you're like, <laughs> you know, you're out, you're out of <laughs> breath and everybody's like, that was okay. And you're like, Oh my God. It was so <laughs> hard though. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I wish people would take, you know, that's the one thing I was hoping, if there is a such thing as a silver lining with this COVID thing was that people were able to spend more time with themselves or with something they love doing. And I know that I, you know, I'm on Reddit and stuff, but um, I've seen a little bit more of that, but you know, I just, that, that's what I wish for everybody because it's like, yeah, I mean, music is my blessing and my curse. And I think, you know, you touched on it early earlier, but I, I have a saying, which is music isn't what I do or this is a saying I like, I should say music isn't what I do. It's who I am. Right. It's not. And, and so it's just a part of me. And so I see the world as a songwriter. I really do. <clears throat> and I've tried to, um, I've tried to ignore that and it's not smart. And so, uh, you know, just touching on the Sweetwater thing. Yeah. I went and, you know, I've worked and worked with them for six years now. Um, and now I just kind of consult with them and, You know, they're wonderful people and uh, you nailed it. It wasn't like, here's the interesting part. This is how smart they are. I'm just like going along through life going, oh, I like marketing. And I'm not thinking about marketing and music technology or music gear or anything like that. Right. I'm just thinking about marketing and just trying to get a job and have a family. Right. Yeah. Well, they plucked me out of, you know, completely out of nowhere because what they do is, you know, the owner, Chuck, is a musician down into his core right that's you know he's a you know music engineer and sound engineer and musician so um his business is a byproduct of him you know and his vision and his passions right and so he had built this business over 40 years successfully through you know trying well not even trying just understanding the need of like the folks that he's helping out and you know, there are musicians like him. So he just gets it. And so what he did is he's like, well, gee whiz, if they're musicians, like if I'm a musician like them and they're musicians like me, I should hire more musicians like me and musicians like them. And then we could all talk to each other. And so he built up, you know, I think it's 2000 people now, but uh, you know, 2000 musicians, man, that all work there. And um, and what they try to do is they try to marry your passions up to you know the industry and your skill set so isn't that an amazing thing it seems almost serendipitous so, you know i remember just when they reached out to me being like man that's crazy because like i am a musician you know and i'm just yeah. kind of going like well duh, but they're so smart they're already thinking about stuff like that And i'm like it's pretty good guys so i love those dudes um all of them like so many like awesome men and women that work there so it's a good place
0: didn't you? Didn't you post something a, a couple of years back about getting to work with? Was it Periphery? I'm not trying to name drop, yeah. but just experience-wise, no. I'm trying to think of, think of something. And I thought I thought uh, I saw it on LinkedIn or something with Periphery, maybe.
1: Man. Wow! Holy crap! Uh, 2016. So they have this thing called Gear Fest that they do every year. And yeah. 2016 was my second, or yeah, my second Gear Fest, and it was going to be the first time we tried to do a Facebook Live and periphery was doing the main slot at gear fest. So they were going to be the one that we were going to do. So like, um, but yeah, that was fun, man. They got, you know, you know, I'm big fans of theirs and, you know, like them and many others I've gotten to meet many of my most favorite, favorite, favorite musicians, producers, engineers. So, so it seems like a great place, uh, for me to kind of like intersect with. So it is, it's a beautiful marriage of like passion and, business and stuff like that but they're killing it too right now man they're they're just doing great cool.
0: well we're we're right a little bit over an hour so so the last the last thing i'll touch on real quick and we could probably do an episode for each of the bands over the years once over and tropic Bonds, obviously ryan's <laughs> a, a mutual cool. friend of ours just an awesome awesome dude um i love ryan great great guy man um hard to I'm believe his fair. wedding was I'm- five yeah, years like, ago already now crazy oh
1: yeah that is crazy i'm mixing uh their newest tune it's sweet so he actually so like me and once over he actually switched up and now he's playing drums and he's doing vocals um and that they pared down the band to like three or four dudes now so um anyway but yeah they just recorded a new tune and i'm mixing it and they're trying to get it out or something i hope i didn't just like totally spoil that he's gonna kill me if i did but um it's a sweet song anyway sorry Ryan's awesome. Yes, that dude's cool for sure. He's one of my best friends. Tropic Bombs, that was fun too. Yeah, we should do we should do an episode on each band for sure. That'd be
0: fun. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and I want people to check out Star Sleeper too. You guys had the Infinite Collapse that came out I think in 2016, and Wish, Hope, yeah. Pray came out last, last year. year. Yep. Um, and just just as being a fan of the Once Over stuff, man, it's uh it's cool uh, to to see you team up with Mighty White uh, also another guy we could do a whole podcast about but um sure. I really like how you guys have taken elements of of Once Over um and the heaviness but also kind of combined it with with the ha like the atmosphere that you've brought into Star Sleeper Man so I definitely yeah, want people to we're, check we're, that we're out like as well
1: industrial grass like Nine Inch Nailsy dirtier kind of almost a little bit yeah I don't know it's just whatever you know if Once Over was still around I probably would have just released it as once over but um you know I write what I feel so I'm glad I'm glad thank you for checking it out man yes yep just go on to Spotify star sleeper spotify give it a listen oh that's the latest stuff
0: I won't keep you any longer man I've kept you a little over an hour and I was a little late getting this bad boy going but uh okay it's okay but yeah I definitely I definitely appreciate the time um you know again you're you're somebody that i that I'm grateful that i've gotten to know over the years oh, likewise. and uh you know covering covering the scene when i was when I was in town and and doing stuff with Toledo free press and yeah. I really appreciate you taking some time to to catch up man uh I, I I love sharing people's journeys that's the whole reason I got into this stuff and just being a, a music nerd myself so from a distance i've always thought it was really cool that uh it was kind of a family thing for you guys and you were able to have a lot of success locally and and develop a really good fan base and the star sleeper stuff is killer. So I thought it was a cool, cool story to share. And I appreciate it, man. Dude,
1: Thank you. Um, you're always one of my favorites to talk to and I hope you well and, uh, keep up the good work, dude. It's always, always awesome to talk to you. So give me a call anytime. Yeah. We can do that. Those episodes on each band, if you really want to, man, that'd be fun. So
0: yeah, man. Well, Hey, you and yours have a, have an awesome 4th of July, man. Thank you so much. all right, brother. Take care. All righty dighty there you have it. That was my conversation with Steve Dwyer of Sweetwater and Star Sleeper. Make sure you go check out Star Sleeper's music. I will put up the links. And thank you so much, Steve, for taking time to do the show, man, especially during a holiday week and weekend with your family. We made it through the sun shining in your eyes and some audio issues and some some off-road vehicles. Uh, ORV. Remember that in Goonies, you guys, uh, when they referred to what we now call SUVs as ORVs? Fun fact. They used to be called ORVs, off-road vehicles, which I actually think sounds cooler, but uh, sport utility vehicle sounds more, I guess in a way that sounds more legit because, you know, it's like you don't assume if somebody gets like a, an SUV that they're going to go off-roading, but they could. They're built for that. Anyway, where where am I going with this? Oh, yeah, Steve, thank you so much. Uh, we we made it through some audio issues. Um, I'm pretty sure you're not blind right now, which is good. Um, so thank you for taking the time, man. It was great to catch up with you, and much love to you and yours. And much love to all of you who have listened to the podcast and make it through all of my rants. Hopefully you enjoy the conversations themselves as much as I do. Hopefully, it's a little slice of positivity for your day. If you enjoy the show, please feel free to subscribe and tell a friend and spread the word. Uh, If this is something that you enjoy and this is something that uh, you want to tell other people about, feel free, man. I'm not going to stop you. You can follow the show on uh, Spodbean. (laughs) Guys, I need to eat. I'm combining words. I'm just sort of going on and on and on. I need to get some food in my stomach and put this bad boy together and get me uh, a good night's sleep. Because as you can tell, the wheels are turning a lot upstairs. It's kind of like a hamster in a wheel, you guys. It just just keeps on going. So uh, anyway, you know, uh, where <laughs> what was I talking about? Uh, oh, yeah. So not spotbean, okay. I combined two two words. So let me uh, let me separate them for you. You can follow the podcast on Spotify. There you go, Mike. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, uh, and other podcast apps too, like the Pod Podcast Addict. Uh, and March is the host site. So oh yeah, and I have an Instagram now for the the podcast. So you can you can follow the podcast on Instagram at March Pod on Instagram. So I share, you know, episodes that are coming out and music that I'm listening to and uh, you know, just just in general, just another place to to get in touch with the people, man. So at March Fourth Pod on Instagram. And other than that, man, in closing, I just wanna say thank you again to all of you. I'm never short of my thank yous. I genuinely appreciate anybody who takes time out of their day to listen to this this podcast. And, uh, you know, again, just be safe, man. I I know I sound like a broken record, but um, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. And as I was telling somebody close to me earlier today, just do what you can in your own life to just be a loving, good person and take care of yourself and just spread love and positivity to the people around you. So. On that note, I hope everybody has a safe, happy weekend. Happy 4th of July to everyone in the United States. Please be safe. Please be smart. Please be respectful and uh, protect yourself. And to all of you listening out there uh, globally, thank you so much. It's humbling, and uh, it's crazy to think that there's people listening to this in other parts of the world, um, but, but that's also really awesome. So thank you to all of you for checking out the show. And on that note, a little surprise, you guys, I'm going to share with you with the blessing of Steve himself, handpicked by the man himself. I'm going to give you guys a track off of Wish, Hope, Pray, which is the latest release from Star Sleeper. It came out last year, and it's, it's really, really awesome. And this song is the closer off of Wish, Hope, Pray called All Our Heroes Are Dead. Keep the faith and be kind to one another.
1: I'm sick of feeling my eyes burn I'm tired of wasting my time If you keep your finger on the trigger Better keep your eye on the prize Keep your heroes at a distance And keep your heroes close at night Keep your heroes in your thoughts and prayers When all your heroes die
0: i of nothing. I
1: built an empire of emptiness. So much for faith in my windshield. I put my faith in my rearview mirror. I wish the war on another. I waste the war on myself. And when I need all my heroes to save me, my heroes can't save themselves. now. and prayers cause all my heroes died